Listeners guided us to the North Florida Must Seas. Who knew that seeing birds would be such a breeze? Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. We created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, I want you to remember, their own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So it's the beginning of 2023, and yes. uh, it seems like everybody is out birding. Uh, I know. People are getting to jump on their, their <laughs> year list. Uh, our, our friends down in Florida, our friends up here and then on the coastal Oregon, everyone's kind of out birding. Yeah, and it seems like uh, CBC's drummed up a fair number of of interesting birds coming into the at least the U.S. I know. I mean, we already talked a little bit about uh, our CBC, how we had eight, eight species of warblers and stuff, not that we helped with that, but <laughs> that the, 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 there was eight species of warblers found in our local CBC. So that's super cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good job, everyone finding those, those interesting birds that have flown off course. And of course, you know, getting out and counting the, the regular things too, which always aids in conservation and, um, you know, benefiting what we know about birds. Yeah. And hopefully soon, uh, um, National Audubon will have all that information compiled and it takes them months to do it, right? I was looking the other day, and it was like December 9th of this year is when they came up with the results. For From last year? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we only have 11 months left, well, and then, then then we'll have results. They probably have something sooner. I just, uh, that was like the most recent batch of stuff that was posted, so oh, awesome. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> we'll figure that out well, at we'll, some point. We'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned and see if we can hopefully get some information on that. Yeah. Um, we, had, we had a ton of reviews in the last cycle, um, and I think... Based on some of the content of a couple, we, we may, we may, we may stop reading reviews. Um, there was, we had we had one that was particularly targeted and very hurtful um, that we are not going to discuss. But um, we did have a comment that we we wanted to um, a review that we wanted to address. To, wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, it was a review. I think it was titled "Conflicted," um, and it said um, that they were conflicted about our show due to the level of traveling and that we tend to chase birds rather than concern ourselves with conservation. And it went on. Um, about, about around the same vein, about the same sort of information. And uh, we wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit um, because there is a lot of discussion going on um, recently in the recent past and kind of it's, it's been going on for, for a number of years now. Um, and it's something that we, we talk about, you know, between ourselves yeah. a lot and we think about it a lot. And we don't, we don't talk about it that much on the podcast, but, uh, but yeah, it is regarding the sustainability of traveling and climate change and like what the ethical line is between going to see a bird for conservation versus just sending money for conservation or just not counting like that sort of thing. Like we, this is the sort of discussion that I'm sure everyone's having, like when they're, when they're chasing birds or when they're sitting at home wondering why people are chasing birds and, and all that sort of stuff that goes on. And there is a, um, a whole suite of folks who were, uh, working on low carbon birding and, you know, doing bicycling and mm-hmm. trying to promote uh, birding in your local area during um, COVID. You know, there was a big push for the 5MR, the five mile radius birding uh, that we had a lot of friends do. And we tried to participate in a little bit, but we just got uh, bogged down with working. Yeah, we still, I, st- I still participated. I still submitted lists from our house and from, from, from work, which which we, we only li- we live less than a mile away from our place of employment. So it's like, Work and home is both within that five mile radius, so that was 
convenient for us. Yeah. So there were a couple um, components of the comment and one was regarding chasing and conservation. And we like to think that our show helps open the doors of conversation with you all regarding the value of birds and highlighting conservation initiatives around the world. Like uh, us going on the flock to Marion cruise. I mean, that was something that we just, we really wanted to do and you know, it benefited conservation Mm -hmm. um, of the wandering albatross on those islands, uh, competitions like the champions of the flyway and even the gorillas in Uganda that these are things that you might not have been aware of otherwise. Um, and I know there's an argument there that you could always just send the money that you would have spent on travel to those conservation initiatives, um, rather than go yourself. But honestly, I don't know anyone that does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's much easier not, not to like try to beat in that we're just trying to justify something that we like to do for fun. Cause we, we really enjoy doing this. We really enjoy going, going to a place and seeing super cool things. And part of it is justification for we want to do this. And part of it is that there is an economic and uh, intrinsic value to visiting a location and talking to the locals that are there and either donating money or helping pay for a service that they provide in their location. So that they then see a value economically to people coming there or them conserving like the gorillas or the, the fruit, uh, the fruit trees in a, in a rainforest, the, the native fruit trees conserving that rather than just cutting it down for avocados. Cause well, and that's a good point. I mean, the umbrella bird in, uh, Ecuador that we went and saw like the, the manager of the land, like he's a dairy farmer, mm-hmm. but he specifically goes out and plants fruit trees to bring umbrella birds to his property so people can come and see them. Yeah, so there there is there is a, a negative to travel, but there's also we look at we we see a positive to traveling specifically to go see these conservation projects or to participate in conservation projects around the world. And sure, it would probably be better for the overall environment if we just didn't travel and we literally just sent the money that we would have paid to go there just there. But, but also like with the gorillas, like mm-hmm. if we just sent money to, you know, the the porters and all that i'm not sure that it would have the same value as going there and having taking having them take you to the gorillas like i don't think the conservation messaging would be as strong with them and that they would um conserve their rainforests and all you know all that the gorillas rely on Mm -hmm. in the same manner yeah and and this this all isn't to say that we that's hypothetical yeah this this isn't to say that we only only travel for conservation because I mean we do we we travel when we just recently went to Colombia, and that wasn't specifically a conservation trip. But many of the locations we visited, the the payment, the entry fees, all that stuff, pays for the conservation of those sites. So it's not we we didn't necessarily plan that this is going to be a trip we're going for for conservation and all, all that stuff. But it's still the money is is in, infused into the local economy that's the nature economy of the of the area so and i wanted to make another point about chasing birds because i i know i probably play it up a lot like oh we you know added that to our list or whatever Mm -hmm. um and i'm competitive and that's just a thing about me but also you know i am hearing a lot of women like especially on my podcast women birders happy hour that say that they get the perception from people that women aren't as competitive and, you know, that's something that's that's detrimental because women can be just as competitive or more competitive as other people. And I like I said, I might play it up a lot because I want to show that, like, hey, you can you can be a woman and you can be competitive and you can kick men's butts. You know, um, there's there's nothing gender related about competitiveness. And part of 
me acting, you know, playing that up is that I hope to be a role model. I, I mean, I don't know if you can call yourself a role model, if that's, that's appropriate, but, um, yeah, I just, I want folks to know that that's okay, that women can be competitive and can, you know, win because I, I, I feel like that's a detriment. Like I said, if folks are saying like women can't be as competitive, I don't want a woman on my team because they're not going to try as hard, but like, I have won a lot of competitions, Yeah, you know, that I, over men. And uh, I just, I think I want to show people what women can do. Yeah. So I, I think that, I think that's super important too. just uh, equalizing the, the playing field uh, among, among everyone. And that's, that's something we, we've, we've talked about that, not that, that, and just like being accepting to everyone, everyone's burning style, everyone's burning, like, ability everyone's background all that stuff that's and, and i think if you if you want to go chase birds like that's that's great if you don't want to chase birds that's great if you just want to see a handful of birds out of your backyard that or in, in, out of your back window that's fantastic if you want to see birds out of your backyard and misidentify every single one of them yeah, that's fine too i mean you, you're just <laughs> just just enjoying them just watch watching them whether you're traveling a thousand miles or you're traveling a thousand feet like you're still still enjoying birds and i feel like that's that's the most important part. And then uh, always having that mind of how your actions impact them, which like, like we said at the beginning, we really don't talk about that that much on the podcast, what our, how our travel is impacting them. But we, we've, we've, we recognize it on a, on a, on a personal level. And we do a lot of things at home specifically to kind of not specifically to offset it, but also the, but in, intrinsically offset some of the carbon that we, that we burn doing, doing a lot of the travel that we do. I mean, and, and that's not like to off that's, that doesn't like excuse the fact that we do travel and, and everything, but there's, there's things like, so we, we, I think we, I mentioned at the beginning here, we, we have less than a mile commute to work. Um, frequently we walk which or we ride our bikes. <laughs> we, 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 when we drive, we carpool. A lot of times we walk or ride our bikes to get back and forth, which it's less than a mile. It takes six minutes to, to walk it. It feels like beating a dead horse. I, I, I know we've talked about this in the past on, on past episodes, but um, recreational, um, air travel is not the majority of air travel. Recreational air, air travel is in, is in the minority. The majority of people that are flying that, that are traveling via air are people that are commuting for work. And that was pretty evident when we just flew, um, down to Florida, we were on a flight from PDX to Georgia that at least 75%, if not more of the flight were people that were flying for work that were flying. This is their day. This is their weekly commute. They fly down to Georgia, turn around, fly back, or maybe they fly daily. I don't, I'm not sure well, and how frequently they fly it, but when we were at Disney world, um, there was a whole conference. What was the company? I can't remember. It's some sort of investing. It was an investment firm of some sort. Yeah. They had, I mean, 10, maybe like, uh, what tour, are buses. tour buses mm-hmm. full of folks there for a conference and they, um, a lot of those folks flew out with us, mm-hmm. you know, out of Orlando and we're heading to, um, LAX yeah. and, 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 and min- beyond. And like the, the conference is one thing, but many of these people that are flying like weekly back and forth from Georgia to Portland or to New York or Chicago or between these two, these hubs, a lot of their, a lot of their flights can honestly be done, done remotely. Like they, they could be, especially in today's day and age with uh, zoom and um, Google meet and all, all these different uh, options They They could be sitting at home or sitting in their home office dealing with all this stuff rather than flying weekly or back a, and forth. a closer location. I mean, or, yeah. if they want to send all their employees like on a, you know, fun thing, instead mm-hmm. of going from LA to Orlando, they could, you know, LA to San Diego or something like yeah. that. So it's, 
And and all all of this isn't like just to excuse us from oh we don't have to worry about it, but it's it's just things that are fr- frustrating to hear that when you have someone criticizing about that, and then it's like well everyone on this flight was flying an unnecessary flight. They were all like million mile customers yeah. too. Oh yeah. Well, it's, they, they, <laughs> I, we might have talked. I can't remember, think. We, I don't think we talked about it. But when we when we boarded the flight to to Georgia, they were like. All right, um, first class can board. Okay, now all the medallion plus and million plus miles, and like literally every single person in the waiting area stood up and got in line. And it was like everyone here is a million mile plus person. Yeah, this is ridiculous. And it's because it was a commuter flight between Portland and Georgia. So we, the people that are flying recreationally to go to visit these locations for either for a vacation or to do, to do which essentially what we're doing is a vacation, but we're doing visiting conservation locations while we're out there they're in the minority versus these people that are flying on a weekly basis out to Georgia from Portland, just back and forth and back and forth. So we'll get off our soapbox. Anyway, sorry. And thank you um, for your reviews. Uh, we do appreciate, you know, the, the conversation that you brought up um, because, you know, we did some research into looking at it and we were trying to figure out like, if there's something we can do to try to mitigate like any impacts we have from travel, um, Hopefully so, it wasn't too long. So thank you again and hope that kind of uh, addresses some of your concerns. Um, I know it's probably a lot of us acting like back you know. backpedaling and trying to talk our way off of a Well, ledge. no, and, and I think I think we feel guilty about it, but we also live in a day and age that's there's a lot of crap going on and it's something that makes us happy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You gotta do what makes you happy sometimes too. Yeah. So Hannah had an episode. So something that makes me happy besides so, so, that. So, something that makes Hannah happy is advocating for women birders. Um, so you had an episode, Women Birders Happy Hour. Who did you interview last week? Um, so I interviewed Sarah Swanson, who we actually, um, we interviewed a couple years ago about uh, her book. Must See Birds. Must See Birds. And she has a new book out. Um, well, it's a couple months old. It's about Oregon Coast birds. And we actually have a copy here at the hotel that anybody can borrow if they'd like. Um <laughs> And so we randomly selected a, a bird out of her book for a cocktail, and it was a marbled mirelet. So check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome. So speaking of travel, we um, we will be traveling a little bit in the next uh, in the next year. We um, have plans: San Diego Bird Festival in February, Champions of the Flyway in March, um, which is in Israel, um, Galveston Feather Fest and Birdiest Festival in America, both in Texas. In April, um, down in down in Corpus Christi and Galveston, um, you've got uh, Global Bird Fair, which I don't know if we have time off for that approved yet. But yeah, um, in I, July, we booked a hotel. Oh well, I know we booked a hotel, but <laughs> I don't know if we got time approved off. Um, and then the International Conference for Women Birders in Uganda um, at the end of the year. So that's that's going to be exciting. Yeah, and uh, with Champions of the Flyway, we're both on separate teams again, and I know I'll be posting uh, the link to my team because we will be fundraising again. And this time, it's for the red-breasted goose, which is an absolutely gorgeous goose. Oh my gosh, It yeah. looks like a harlequin duck. I but think. a goose. Yeah, but a goose. <laughs> so a little <laughs> bit larger. Um, but anyways, I hope you all check it out, and if you're able to to donate to my team. I don't know if you guys are fundraising, but we are. We're, we're going we're, we're gonna to be fundraising. We're So the team I'm on, we're... Uh, we are a specialty team, and uh, I don't they know couldn't, if I, they couldn't win, so they made up their own category. <laughs> no, no, no. We we are we are the champions of what we do. So um, <laughs> I don't know if I, if I have the authority to announce it or anything, but we we will be competing, and um, I'm 
we, the whole point is fundraising anyway. So we will, we will be fundraising. It's, uh, and, and I'm sure we'll have a link on our, uh, on our website for, to donate. If you want to donate to the team that I'm competing with, we have competing teams here, but, um, but yeah, so different, different teams, different, uh, same conservation project, but both money raising money for the same, for the same thing. Yeah. I'm excited to get to Israel and see some more of it. I feel like it was such a quick trip that we didn't get to see enough of it. I know. Seriously. So, um, bird nerd giveaway for January. We, um, it's, it's what is today? Today is the, 10th. it's, it's the 11th, oh, 11th and then this comes out on the 12th. So we're almost two weeks into the month, just the way the episodes lined up. So this is a long way into the month and you don't have very long to enter, <laughs> but, um, our bird nerd giveaway for January, we want you to send in what your new year's birding goals are for the year. So we, we, I think we did the pretty much the same exact question for last year, but it's January. You, you gotta, you gotta think ahead, especially in, in the winter when you can't, can't always go birding very much. So you gotta, you gotta plan, at plan least for the future. Up where we're at when it's raining <laughs> most of the time. Raining sideways, 30 mile an hour winds. Not, not a lot of birds are hanging out in ponds when the winds are 30 Sitting miles an there hour. there looking at eBird trying to figure out what to do when it stops raining. Yeah. Um, so, um, what, are, what are they going to win? Yeah. So, well, your deadline is, uh, January 24th to enter and what you can, what one person will win, one randomly selected person will win a set of hummingbird greeting cards that were um, created by Eric. Yeah, so that's exciting. We'll post pictures of them on our Facebook page as soon as, as, soon as we take the pictures of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can email us, you can drop us a link or do whatever, you know, post on Facebook and tell us what your New Year's birding goal is. Do you have a New Year's birding goal? Mm, I want, I kind of want to get back into a checklist a day situation, which Uh-oh. I'm, yeah, I, I know, but I, I, I did it a couple years ago. I, I was really focused. I made sure every single day I made a point to stand outside of the back, uh, the back door of the hotel and for five minutes, every single day, at least five minutes each day, stand there and look at birds and count what I count, what I could find out of the back of the hotel. So I, th- I think I'm going to try work to work on that this year. Well, um, I worked with Berta, who we've talked about before, mm-hmm. which is a, a new app that you can download. It's free. And they have a birding goals page on their app that you can set your own goals, which is kind of fun. Um, so I created goals <laughs> on there. It's to see 35 species a month, uh, go birding 120 days a year this year, uh, which equates to about 10 sessions a month and one spending one hour a week. Outburning. So I think we did pretty good. So lots of metrics. (laughs) Yeah. I think we did pretty good on week one. Um, Haven't quite made my goals for week two, but it's, uh, yeah, it's something. Week's not over yet. Yeah. But, you know, it's a free app. So I encourage you to download it and you can try on there to um, keep with your goals for the year. All right. So into the, into the meat of this episode, we are really deep into this episode. We're like 20 minutes or so in right now. Okay. Well, so main story starts now. Yeah. So like two weeks or two episodes ago, we talked about how we asked our listeners what they would, where they suggest we would go in Florida and Mm -hmm. go burning in Florida. And so, um, we kind of broke it up into the South and the North. And so this is the North section, uh, based on a lot of comments that we received from listeners. So we had, you know, some time in Florida to go burning around before my family trip started or well, our family trip started. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there were some great suggestions for the South and also some great ones for the North too. So, yeah. So the first place that we ended up stopping at was Sweetwater Wetlands, which 
I know we talked about this when we lived in Florida. Oh yeah, this is this is a great location. It's one of our favorites. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a city-owned facility that uh, the city is of Gainesville, city owns. of Gainesville, um, that it's their tertiary wastewater treatment. So the wastewater has already gone through all these processes, and this is reclaimed wastewater that's making its last step to final cleaning through the wetlands. So wetland burning <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> or but- uh, wastewater burning. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One of our favorite things yeah. to do. So this site is just so cool. Sweetwater Wetlands. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they have these ginormous cells that, you know, you can walk all the way around. But every single time we've been there, it's been so hot. Like, I don't want to get out to the back corner oh, <laughs> because it's... we don't think ahead and bring water, you know, like a normal person Oh, yeah. Would why, do. why would we think ahead? Yeah. That's ridiculous. And there's also not a whole lot of cover at the site, too. So if you're going there, just be aware of all these things. Yeah. There is a bathroom right at the entrance, but no bathrooms once you're in. Yeah. Um, and we, sidebar, we have seen wild horses there before, which was really weird. Yeah. I don't yeah, know and, how and often there, they're there. There's, there's signs for them. So they're. Were there? Yeah. I yeah, don't there's, remember. There's, there's signs telling you to keep away and all that stuff. Oh, good. Um, so one of the number one reasons to go there is to look for snail kites mm-hmm. because there are like a group of, I don't know, five to six snail kites that are usually hanging around that area. Yeah. And they've, they've all been banded. They have, uh, they have color bands so you can uh, identify exactly which individuals, which from a distance. And so when you get out there and the very first thing you see in one of the cells is this really nice platform, um, that's covered. And that one is, is great. We've seen one of our favorite experiences there was with an alligator that was, <laughs> it was growling or it was doing something called a water dance water where it dancing. was like growling at the top of the, the water. And so all the water on its back was dancing around. Yeah, it was it's super uh, cool. It, they, you know how, um, gators bellow during, uh, during breeding season. So it's bellowing, but it's bellowing while it's back is mostly submerged. So then it's like this whole splashing situation and it's, it's very scary to hear. <laughs> like, if you don't know what it is, it's like, oh, what is going on? But it's it's just the gators uh, doing some mating display. Yeah, so we got there a little later in the day, like 2.45 or so. So, like I said, it was pretty warm. Uh, but right off the bat, you know, we had ducks, blue-winged teals, and pied-billed grebes and things. That were gators. In, yeah, in that first <laughs> pond. Um, and then if, if you've been there before, you, I feel like you know where to look for snail kites. They're in between the, the main cell that has the um, platform on it mm-hmm. and the cell that's to the east of that. Like, I feel like if we always walk down that, every time we've walked down that trail, they're at the end of it. Yeah. So, like, if, if, you're, if you're playing along at home, if you walk into the entrance, you get, you get to that platform, you continue down the trail, which is to the left initially, cross over the bridge, and then take a right yeah. immediately. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 I don't have a map pulled up of what the cell numbers are. But it's, you cross the bridge and take a right, and then it's kind of down at the end of that trail there. Yeah, so we were walking down there, you know, trying to figure out, like, are we even going to see him? Because we had met somebody in the parking lot that had looked and Mm -hmm. stopped us and said that they hadn't seen them today. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, no, you know, we probably probably won't see him. But we got out to the end, and, you know, we're seeing more and more birds, lots of egrets and herons and things like that. Um, great blues, great egrets, snowy, little blues, tricolored. So kind of the whole suite of them. And there in the tree, we saw a snail kite. Yeah. So they, they're, 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 they're raptors. So they're flying around like, just cause we say we always see them in that one, the one corner of that one pond. It's, I think that that pond that's just South of that one, um, cell <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, I, th- I think it's must be at the right level usually to house, to like 
have snails to reproduce lots of snails because that's what they're after there. They, which we actually saw them eating an apple snail while we were there, but, um, they're, they, they really want snails. So that wherever they can get snails is where they're going to be near. And, but actually the water level was higher it was in that high. pond than yeah. we'd ever seen before, before most of the time we'd been there before it was just kind of like mud flat. Mm-hmm. And this time there's actually, I don't know, a couple inches of water in it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, they, they, they move around, but we, we found one. We, we found one hanging out in one of the tall trees. And then uh, then I turned around and there was another one behind us <laughs> hanging out really close to the water. So lot so probably, I don't, I don't know if it's the best location in Florida, but for us, it's always been the most reliable location to find snail kites. And also with snails, there's also limpkins. Yeah. So it's a really good spot for limpkins as well. Um, yeah, which we, we had, had two of them. <laughs> Uh, and then lots of northern harriers. We had five on the list, which it seems like there was seems, a couple more than seems that. Seems low, yeah. Yeah, um, northern harriers flying over the 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 grasses, the wetland grasses, the, the cells. Yeah, the cells. <laughs> yeah, so we we had we had a great time there. We always have a great time there. It's it's a nice walk. We ended up with uh, just over forty species. Had some uh, confusion with sparrows. Yeah. Because there's so many swamp sparrows and we're just not, not used, used to, to seeing, seeing swamp sparrows. Yeah. So yeah. that took us, that threw us for a little bit of a loop. Oh yeah. And and we were there in the afternoon. We only spent an hour and a half there. So 41 species and an afternoon list for about an hour and a half. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great location. We, we, we always enjoy it. And I think it's like a $5 entry fee to get in there. But like you said, it has a restroom. They yeah. also have $5 lot- per car. Yeah. yeah, they also have um, guided walks at certain points uh, in the week. So if you're interested in going out there, I would check out one of those guided walks. I think I think they're on Wednesdays. We were there on a Wednesday, and, and it was there that morning. And it was that morning. Yeah. So I th- I think it's Wednesdays, but yeah, check check their they have a Facebook page and they also have a website, so you can check those to have an actual up to date schedule of when they have walks. But yeah, so we, we, from there we headed, we continued headed over to Tallahassee, which is where we were going to spend the night that, that evening. We hadn't initially like decided to go to Tallahassee because we were like, ah, it's really far away. We're, we're also on the verge of, are we even going to go to Sweetwater? Yeah. Cause we were like, ah, that's kind of far away from, <laughs> from where we're, cause we were down, we were down Peninsula, Florida. We were down, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tampa, Orlando and South. So it was like, should we even go up that far? It's like a half a day worth of driving just to see some rare birds. But once we got to the West coast along the Gulf, mm-hmm. all of it was there so was, yeah. destroyed by the hurricane De- devastation because of the two hurricanes that, that slammed into it, um, less than a month before we were there. Yeah. So. so we kind of decided to move on from there. Just, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to see. Everything was is in Park, recovery. Parks are closed. Everyone's in recovery. People are still trying to figure out how to put their lives back together. Exactly. So rather, rather than hanging out and, trying to bird in locations that are, that have been decimated like that. We just, we're like, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. We'll, we'll be back to Florida someday. Yeah. So, um, like Eric said, we headed on to Tallahassee from there, um, because there was a, there was a white wagtail being seen, um, which is a pretty good bird. And so we were, we got up to Tallahassee in the night at night and, uh, we're going to get up early and head to Lake Alberta to see it where it's being seen. But we decided, you know, beer of course in the evening <laughs> and we went to one of our favorite breweries that's in Tallahassee because we did live in Tallahassee for a little less than a year so we have a good idea you know kind of some so stuff there? there yeah um but we had this brewery that we really enjoyed going to that had food which isn't 
like something in so we're from Oregon, right? And mm-hmm. most of the breweries around here have food or it's a requirement to have food. Yeah, they can't serve alcohol without serving food. That's a it's an OLCC regulation. And so when we moved to Houston, it was kind of a whole change of mindset there because most of the breweries there don't have food. Yeah. Yeah, cuz they it was like you can't in in Texas it was like you can't sell unless you're selling through a distributor. So then there was a whole thing for a short period of time where it was just uh, breweries would only sell you a mug and you get samples. <laughs> you get five samples, which are pints, <laughs> a, full, a full pint. Um, but you can sample it. And yeah. you, get, you have five samples. And so then you, you, you do, they did that for a while. And then the, um, the regulations changed for Texas a little bit and they were able to start selling on site, but they still weren't selling food on site. They would just have a food truck that would be there. And so the weird thing when we moved to Tallahassee that we found out is that if you buy a growler full of beer, they put a seal over the top of it. So it could be your own growler, but they have to seal it closed. Yeah. So they they, they you... shrink wrap the top that way. It's proved that it's closed <laughs> yeah. at all times. So anyways, so we stopped at, at one of our favorite uh, brew pubs that they do have food, which is outside in kind of a weird little situation. But just, <laughs> you know, it was brand new building that they had moved to like right after we moved out of Tallahassee. Yeah. But just, It was under construction while we were there. Absolutely gorgeous facility, you know, and this nice, huge outside area mm-hmm. that kids could, you know, run in the fake grass and everything. <laughs> and, and, the, and they had trivia going on. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun to, to go check that out. And, and Tallahassee, for, for those that aren't, aren't aware, is a college town. Mm-hmm. So two different colleges right there in, in Tallahassee. And this, this brewery was full of college students. It's like tons and tons of people that were either just getting out of class or they were complaining about what class they had to go to in the morning <laughs> yeah. or, and, and, and all, all that stuff. So they're all sitting there having trivia. And it, it really reminded me of like when we were in Corvallis mm-hmm. or and, and like any other college town, honestly. It's just... Yeah college students doing but college things. <laughs> I really like Tallahassee because it's so walkable. Like we stayed really close to the college mm-hmm. at, I don't know, just like a Hilton or something like that. And we just walked over to proof. I mean, it was half a mile yeah, or half so, a mile or so yeah. on like a, a trail that was all, you know, colorful and pretty and, and, li- and lit. So you could actually see where you're walking. Yes. Yeah, so that was really it's, nice. They had these weird lights. I didn't, not super happy with the lights <laughs> for in terms of night skies, um, night sky, like approvedness. Yeah. But, uh, but there were, there were some, some nice, some nice lights to effectively light the whole area around, around yeah. the trail. So you could, you don't trip over like loose edges and stuff. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately we didn't get to see any of our friends, which was a bummer while we were there because we, we had, you had a meeting, I had a meeting, yeah. all virtual meetings. So we apologize to everyone in Tallahassee that we missed. Yeah. But I, I think that the next day we spent probably a good four, three hours or so in meetings. Yeah. So it was like, we're, we're just sitting in the car, like on our phones on, in meetings <laughs> <laughs> while, while, while sitting at uh, really spectacular birding locations. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah. And we hadn't even planned on going to Tallahassee really. Uh, so anyways, woke up the next morning and jetted over to Lake Alberta, mm-hmm. which is, uh, we'd been to before we actually led a bird walk with teenagers there yeah. at one point in time for, um, Tallahassee Audubon. I think so. Yeah. Audubon? I don't Wicola. remember. Yeah. It was, it was one of the um, local birding slash nature groups. Uh, yeah. Audubon <laughs> chapters. Um, so it's a, it's a really nice site is it must be like a, um, water, uh, 
Yes, it's it's flood flood um, flood control. Flood control. Yeah. Okay, and it's this big lake that has uh, lots of you know native vegetation around it. And and tree, by, by big and lake, trees. you mean it's only like five hundred feet by a thousand feet or something? It seems big. <laughs> it's a seems like a long walk around it. Yeah, it's. I think it's like three quarters of a mile okay. to walk all the way around it. But when we got there, it was so socked in with fog. Oh we were gosh. like, we're not going to be able to find this bird. 50 feet of visibility. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> and there wasn't, I mean, I guess there was some information on when we were looking at the eBird list to see where it's actually being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like in the mudflats was kind of the description. Yeah. Which, which it turned out there was only one section of mudflats anyways. So that was fairly easy to find. But we didn't see any bird there at first. So we, we, we saw... There was a lot of shorebirds. Yeah, there was a bunch of shorebirds. There was some gulls. There was, it was uh, um, some, there were some Canada geese. And there was also two, two, st- two scop that were floating out of the water, which I could have swore were greater scop, which is relatively rare for the area. But somebody had also reported greater scop a couple days before. So I was like, I'm pretty sure they're greater scop. But I didn't bother taking a picture of them, so. Good job. I don't know. <laughs> it was also so hard to see. You couldn't, I, you, you couldn't, couldn't see... Like you could see shapes, but you couldn't see like colors because, like I said, the fog was just so heavy. So, the the heads rounded, thick heads, tall like or not tall, but rounded yeah. heads as opposed to the peaked heads of the lesser scop. But who knows? Yeah. So we were kind of looking through all the different shorebirds that were there. Um, long there were doachers, long-billed doachers, mm-hmm. greater yellow legs, least sandpipers, killdeers running around, and all of a sudden, Eric sees the white wagtail in amongst them all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's characteristic it's it's doing exactly what any wagtail always does all the time and it's wagging its tail it's just like like a spotted sandpiper yeah. like in any, any of those birds where it's just like so characteristic it's doing the whoop, 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 with its tail <laughs> every everywhere it moving and then it's running it does like i think of it as like a robin run where robins run and stop run and stop run and, stop, and they're looking around yeah I and can then see that. I mean, but the whole time it's bobbing its tail so it's kind of a combination between a spotted sandpiper and a robin, <laughs> but then the same size or just a little bit bigger than a spotted sandpiper. Yeah. You know, longer tail, Yeah, longer tail. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just the <laughs> and, same. And it's black and white <laughs> and, and it's a completely different bird, but you know. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty good sighting and the fog eventually cleared a little bit that we were able to get better pictures of it. It was like getting better and better by the minute. I, I think by the afternoon, we didn't stay till the afternoon, but I think by the afternoon it was completely clear. Yeah. So, we, we saw a couple of people on the way out and we um, told them, hey, yeah, it's, it's right over there. And so then we got on the road because we had a meet. We had, I had, I had, we had the first meeting of the day. <laughs> and so we wanted we wanted to get somewhere that it was at least worthwhile to sit. Mm-hmm. And so we headed to uh, St. Mark's. And St. Mark's, if if anyone hasn't been out there, is a fantastic national wildlife refuge in Wakola County. So it's just straight south out of Tallahassee, right on the coast. Right um, on the Gulf. Right, right on the Gulf Coast, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's been well known because it's had an American flamingo. Yeah. And something... The second reason for going there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, you know, we first moved to Florida, I hadn't really paid attention to the whole flamingo thing and how many are actually there. Because you hear all these people say there's so many flamingos in Florida, but mm-hmm. a lot of them are actually rosy at spoonbills. Yeah. It's just, you know, folks aren't aware. And... So I thought, you know, there's got to be flamingos here. But really, there's only a couple sites that is the potential for flamingos. Like St. Mark's has had that one regularly Mm -hmm. um, for the last couple of years. But then down in the Everglades, 
and I don't even know if, well, Key West has got to have records of them, but they're just not a super common thing to see. Yeah, even so, though they're called American flamingos, because there is more to America than the United the States. United States. <laughs> You've also got uh, all of Central America, and then all of South America. Yeah. So American flamingos are all over the place. And Canada. Except for in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we, we, we went to, we went there. Um, I didn't, it was, it was still like three or four more hours till my meeting. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's try to find this flamingo before, and then we'll go plop, plop down somewhere and, yeah. and, and do this. So we ended up looking through a trail that we've never, never actually been on before. It's around the mounds pool number three. Well, it's, it's on a levee, you know, yeah. I never really thought about walking the levees when we were down there because I don't know, it's there's the trails. Sun. Well, and it's also again, back to it's in the sun. We never bring yeah, water. We're never true. prepared. So it's in the sun. You're going to get hot. Um, if they haven't mowed the grass recently, you can run the, run the risk of, uh, insects. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of mosquitoes, um, chiggers and ticks and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, but they had mowed the grass. So it was, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad when we were out, when we were out there, but it's, it's like ankle, ankle high grass in some places. So, we, our feet were really wet because it was a, it was a foggy morning. So we had wet feet, but we wandered all the way around the, the pond and we ended up finding something. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we walked, um, in between the road and the pond on the, the levee. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, I feel like the reportings of where it was at weren't super clear. They were just saying like, it's in mound number three, yeah. mound pond. And I was looking for, um, I was looking for like pinpoints. Like I like GPS points when somebody posts like a personal location of the bird is right here. Like that's what, what I prefer (laughs) because then it makes it easier to go find that bird. Um, so we had a lot of trouble trying to figure out like where the best access was for it. So we walked down the one trail and Eric being taller than me, he was able to see some pink moving along the other side of the, the levee. Well, it wasn't even moving. It was just standing there. It was okay. literally just standing on one leg with his head tucked. But I but, couldn't see it. <laughs> but a couple spoonbills flew past, and it was not the same pink as the spoonbill. It was a much darker pink, a much much redder pink. And so I was like, oh, there there it is. I see the flamingo. So we kept walking, kept walking, trying to find a clearing. And it was literally in the middle of the pond. So mm-hmm. it was like, and I, but I thought it was closer to the other side. So I was like, you know what? Maybe if we backtrack and go all the way around to the other side of the pond, we'll have a little bit better light. And then maybe, maybe it'll be closer because we're on the other side. And so we wandered all the way around, um, added on like probably almost a full mile of walking. And, uh, it was not better. It was the same. (laughs) (laughs) It was exactly the same. I think by, by exact distance, I think we were probably within five feet of the same distance away from it. (laughs) Like, 200 feet away one way, and then we went around the other way, and it was still 200 feet away. But it was unobstructed. It was, it was a little bit less obstructed. That's true. Yeah. So, Especially for you, because like you said, you couldn't see over the grasses as well. Yeah. So it ended up being a really good hike anyways. And like I said, we've never really walked the levees there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just got to see a whole different suite of things than we normally see when we go to St. Mark's. Because when we go there, we usually just you know, walk the, the gravel trails that they have. Well, or, or we'll just park at each of the, um, the ponds and the ponds and then just kind of look at and see what we see at the pond and then get back in the car and go to the next pond instead of like walking those levees all the way around. Yeah. But this is granted as blue wing teals, mallards, pintails, uh, green wing teals, redheads, which it was really cool to see the redheads because yeah. we haven't seen a whole lot of those. Um, just tons and tons of coots and shorebirds, uh, Forster's turn. I mean, it was a really good walk. It ended up with 42 species over an hour and a half. We mm-hmm. walked about a mile and a half 
or so. So, yeah, that was totally, I mean, besides seeing the flamingo, of course that's good, <laughs> but it was just totally worth it. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's, it's an, it's a known location, but just be aware right now, I think it's through this year through 2023, um, or maybe it's halfway through this year till June. Yeah. Um, they are doing road construction. So they're revitalizing the trailheads and revitalizing the road and the shoulders and stuff. So that while we were there, there was a lot of construction. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up having to park, um, move the car a couple of times in order to accommodate the construction vehicles. So they're, they're working on it, which is, which is great. I I like to see, um, when upkeep is being done for places like that, like it's, it's, it means, it means that they care and there's been money put into it that, yeah. So they're going to continue doing what they've been doing, which is awesome. But yeah, just, just to be aware there is, there was construction going on and they were kind of loud. So like Eric said, he had a a phone conference that he needed to be on. And so we went out to the lighthouse where there was better cell service Yes, um, because St. Mark's does have a lot of dead spots. Yeah. So we went out to the lighthouse and there we parked kind of underneath some trees that are next to the lighthouse and there was an osprey screaming like the whole time. (laughs) The whole meeting. So everybody on the conference call was like, what is that? (laughs) Like, what is above you? And because I was using my phone for the conference call, I couldn't. Use, I didn't I didn't have another recorder with me, so I was yeah. like, I can't record the call. So it was like the best Osprey call. I'd, I've never recorded an Osprey call, which I hear him call all the kind of time, just never thought to record it. Yeah. But it's like the best, like 15 feet above our heads, like just screaming and screaming and screaming over and over. And it's like, man, can I can I just I'll, – I'll be back. I'll, <laughs> I'll quit this meeting. I'll record it, and then I'll come back into the meeting. But no, I, I was responsible. I just kept, kept attending and participating. <laughs> Uh, but you know, the lighthouse pond there is always fantastic as well. Lots of ducks and shorebirds too. Oh, yeah. So that gave us something to look at while we were listening to the meeting. Yeah. The whole, the whole point of going somewhere scenic to do the meeting instead of sitting back at a hotel room somewhere and doing it. Um, so from there we, um, got back on the road. We were running up against the clock in terms of your parents, uh, flying down, um, to meet us down there. So we headed down South, um, got on the road, kind of followed the Gulf all the way around. And we didn't have any plans to stop anywhere mm-hmm. at that point. We were like, you know what? We're just going down. We're going to stay in, uh, I think we were going to stay in Tampa that night or maybe we we're going to stay, go all the way down to Orlando. Yeah. I can't remember which, but, um, we, I was like, you know what? Let's, let's make one more stop. I, I saw a sign for Manatee Springs and I was like, you know what? Hannah wants to see some manatees. I love manatees. I, I can tell you want to see some manatees. So let's, <laughs> let's stop and let's see some manatees. Yeah. Um, it turns out Manatee Springs State Park <laughs> is, uh, the day we were there was Manatee List Springs State Park. But you know that ended Manatee up being... Free State Park. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> that ended up being such a cool state park. Like I really wish we had intended on spending more time there. Yeah. So um, it's a there's a lot of places in Florida, and I don't know if we talked about it, where there's um, you know underwater diving spots. Yeah, like ca- these... cave diving and stuff. Yeah, cave diving. Thank you. Underwater diving. Yeah. No. <laughs> not above. As, as, as opposed to above water diving. Yeah. That's what I prefer to do. It's less scary. <laughs> it's less scary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's all these, these springs that you can go diving at. And this one, I would never go diving at because it would scare <laughs> me so much. Um, you know, we, we have gone scuba diving before. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we're, we're, we're scuba certified and we've, we've gone diving. We've done cavern diving, but we've never done cave diving. Yeah. Um, but the idea of it just scares the heck out of me. But that was one of the the things here to do at the park, which was really interesting. We talked to a ranger for a little while about it and about like the safety aspect and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just 
found that to be really fascinating that that one big pool what was it called like catfish hangout or something like that or something like that the catfish Cat, house catfish headquarters yeah. Or, yeah. The, yeah apparently it's like 90 feet deep and mm-hmm. there's just these huge catfish at the bottom of it so yeah and, and people will dive a lot of people from what from what the ranger said she's only, she'd only been there for um a couple months um but the people that she had talked to were just open water divers that would dive down and stay stay within, not go inside the caves down there, but just get, kind of go up and down in the in the column of water there. Which there's, I'm sure there's some pretty cool stuff to see. But I looked up some YouTube's and it's actually yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty interesting. But then from there, there's miles of caves that you can you can go through if you're if you're cave certified. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, but there's and there's a, a connection point between there and the river. Like, but you, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to go through it. Yeah. Is what they say, but. Uh, so anyways, well, where the actual spring was, where you could go swimming was just mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. You know, we hadn't anticipated swimming at that one. We swam at Wakaiwa Springs. Yeah. Um, but this one just was gorgeous and there was nobody there. It, it was so idyllic. Yeah, and so the reason that there wasn't any manatees there was because it was, it was kind of warm. Like it, it had been cold the week before and yeah. when it gets really cold, they seek out these places where the relatively warmer water is coming from. So like the springs have a stable temperature year mm-hmm. round and it's always coming out. So the springs will end up like each of these springs state parks will get a ton of manatees at them when they have cold snaps because they're just looking for warm water to hang out in. Yeah. And it's relatively warm, but it's they're they're warm blooded. So they don't, they don't, they, they want to be near warm water to, to kind of keep that body temperature. And even though they're all full of blubber and all that stuff, <laughs> but it had warmed up the week we were there and they had all dispersed back out into the river. And so there was no manatees for us to look at. Sidebar. If you do want to see manatees, there's a state park called blue Springs state park, which isn't too far from Orlando, like within an hour, I Mm -hmm. think. And if you, I I've been following their Facebook page since I got on Facebook because I love the state park. (laughs) It's a great place to go see Florida scrub jays. Um, but also they had like, they posted the other day that their manatee count is like 500 manatees right now. And, you know, you can't touch them or anything like that, of course. Um, yeah, they're but, protected. Yeah. yeah, but you can, there's um, overlooks where you can see them just like flowing through the, the spring. So it's a very cool spot, but it's also super busy. And so like. It, it, cl- it closes like in the morning because their parking lot gets full and the park is full. So if you're going, plan on going right when they open yeah. or half hour before or they open. Or you're going <laughs> to wait a huge line. Oh, yeah, and you may not even get in. But this Mantilla Springs <laughs> we went to <laughs> was gorgeous and would totally be a great place to swim um, if you wanted to. But it's also a really good burning spot. There were a lot of vultures hanging around, black and turkey vultures. We had pileated a red, woodpecker. We had pileated hopping around. Uh, a lot of chickadees like right at eye level on this boardwalk that went out to the river. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a beautiful spot. Oh, yeah. And I got I got some good recordings of chickadees and stuff there, too. So that was good. And so that ends our travel around North-ish Florida. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's so many good locations, though. This was just kind of the ones that folks mentioned to us. Um, but, yeah, there's so... I, so many other places. I love birding in Florida. It's fantastic. <laughs> there, there's a lot of natural areas that are great for... Just great for birding. And, like, it's... So there's so many state parks and so many wildlife management areas and so many national wildlife refuges that it's, it's, it's a, it's a good place for birds. And I want to pitch besides, you know, uh, eBird, which is always a great resource that we like to recommend 
Florida has the Great Florida Burning Wildlife Trail. You were the coordinator. <laughs> I did work on that. <laughs> um, but anyways, they have an app and they have a website that you can use to um, use for reference materials. Like when you're looking where to go, you can use it to say what sites are near me. We actually used that mm-hmm. at one point when we were trying to find cell service somewhere for a different meeting. Um we said, you know, what burning trail site is near us and ended up putting us at that state park that we sat at for a little while. Yeah. Uh, so totally, you know, great resources, lots of um, potential to be able to figure out what you want to do when you're burning in Florida. One final note before we, uh, before we close this out is we want to say how awesome it was to meet up with people that when we were at the North Shore Burning Festival before we kind of ran around and did this. Um, uh, Susan, Cecilia, Kathy, um, lots of, lots of people that we had met before or people that we had met virtually before. Um, Alex, uh, Lamero from, from Wildside. Um, he, he was, he was guiding there. There was lot, lots of tons of, tons of awesome people. Mariah and Luis. Mariah and Luis. You know, from, from the Hawk Watch. From, from Hawk Watching down in the, in the Keys and just tons and tons of people. And also the listeners that came up and said, hi, we just want to th- say thank you to everybody. And thank, thanks again. One last Big thank you to North Shore Burning Festival for inviting us down there to, or letting us invite ourselves down there to um, to guide with them and and thank you to everyone who gave us recommendations on where to go when we were down there. Um, you know, Susan and Cecilia and all them did give us recommendations oh, yeah. as well, but also on Facebook. You know, that was very cool to crowdsource a <laughs> Florida vacation. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys all, and thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google. Don't do it on Stitcher because you can only rate on there. <laughs> or anywhere else you listen to us. Um, you can connect with us on the socials. Um, follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Or you can email us at hannahandericgobirding at gmail.com. Our website is www.gobirdingpodcast.com. And any other social media is related to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, Go Birding, Hannah Goes Birding, Eric Goes Birding, something like that. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and share us with your friends. 